0: good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous a vision for you big book study my name is Larry Kaye and I'm a recovered compulsible reader today is Wednesday February 17th 2016 uh, today we're going to be reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are at page 32 the second paragraph uh, today's readers are Christine M on the 12 Steps. We have uh, Anita L reading the 12 Traditions, and for the text this morning we have Penny C, Hoodie R, and Renata G. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, February 16th, is 8466. That's 8466. The OA preamble: Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Let me now ask Christine M. if she'd be kind enough to read the 12 steps.
1: Yes, thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Christine M., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri. The 12, the 12 steps th- of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admit we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our prayers. My path. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Christine. Okay, let me ask um, Anita L. if you'd be kind enough to read the Twelve Traditions. Anita?
2: Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The Twelve Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate, ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, But we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. ten overeaters anonymous has no opinions on out, no opinion on outside issues, hence the o a name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity. At the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication, 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us to share press star one to unmute once you're done sharing let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone in order to have a quiet meeting everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted so today we're going to resume our study of the big book and we are on page 32 um starting with the second paragraph a man of 30. um Penny's going to read uh two paragraphs the first paragraph for context and then we're going to make we're going to have our comments on the second paragraph so Penny
3: C take it away good morning thank you um this is Penny C I'm recovered compulsive overreader from the Boston area a man of 30 was doing a great deal of spree drinking He was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quieted himself with more liquor. He was ambitious to succeed in business, but saw that he would get nowhere if he drank at all. Once he started, he had no control whatever. He made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired, he would not touch another drop. An exceptional man, he remained bone dry for 25 years and retired at the age of 55. After a successful and happy business career, then he fell victim to a belief that practically every alcoholic has that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink as other men. Out came his carpet, slippers, and a bottle. In two months, he was in a hospital Puzzled and humiliated, he tried to regulate his drinking for a while, making several trips to the hospital meantime. Then, gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found that he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, was at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement... He went to pieces quickly and was dead within four years. This case contains a powerful lesson. Most of us have believed that if we remained sober for a long stretch, we could thereafter drink normally. But here, but here to, is a man who at 55 found he was just where he had left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Commencing to drink after a period of sobriety, we are in a, sh- in a short time as bad as ever. If we are planning to stop drinking, there bu- must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. And this paragraph, that, the last one that I read, show really shows me that these people who wrote this book with Bill W being the lead author they really knew about alcoholics and in turn they didn't realize it but they knew what all addicts were like once we once we uh go back to our binge foods for us uh for any any addiction the disease just takes over even stronger for me than it did before. I have had an old relapse since coming to OA. But years before that, I, I even got to be a Weight Watcher lecturer. And and I stood up there and said, I will never be fat again. And I had a good stretch of, of you know, dieting and losing weight. But as soon as I left that employ... There I was, much heavier than I was when I began, and eating as furiously as I ever had in, in, in all the years that I, I was a fat kid, a fat adolescent, and, and yo-yoing as an adult. So they really knew what, the, what they were talking about. The one thing I know for myself that no matter how many years, and I've had many years of God-given abstinence does not give me any protection against what the first bite of a binge food would do to me. And the only way that I can stay in recovery, stay recovered, is through the help of a higher power. And I I know that I must keep in, in, in close connection with that higher power or I'm doomed because I am a real, real compulsive overeater. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thanks so much, Penny. Before I, t- I take some names, just a couple of reminders. So we got that kind of that three-minute guideline. Um, and then uh, the second part would be to keep your phone muted, except, except when you're the speaker, to remember to, uh, to mute back up by pressing star one. So with that, let me open it up. Who would like to uh, share
4: Sarah this w. is
5: Bella. Can I
0: share? Sarah, uh, Bella. Who else? Melissa, Kathy, Melissa. Who else? Don't be scared. Don't be shy. Sarah, Bella, Kathy, Melissa. Tina S. Tina. Rachel W. Rachel. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Let's go with what we have here. We got got a lineup, boy, I'll tell you. We got Sarah, we got Bella, Kathy, Melissa, Tina S., and Rachel. So Sarah and then followed by Bella. Sarah, you're up.
6: Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service today. This is Sarah W., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. Once he started, he had no control, whatever. Um, You know, that's uh, the physical allergy where that sets in. And I know for myself... Um, when I came in in 1995, I had—I uh, was blessed with five years of abstinence. Um, and quickly, um, you know, it, I just want to say it is a daily reprieve. It's not uh, something that, um, you know, I can think that just because I got it, you know, I'm going to have it forever. And, um, you know, the thing that strikes me about what he's talking about is that I have to always – remind myself every morning when I wake up that the disease is there, uh, that the obsession of the mind is there, and that if I don't keep vigilant and um, and humble, you know, I think humility is all over the place. You know, we have to have humility in this and not think because we say I'm recovered today that that's going to be a, a given if I don't keep up with the practices that I need to do. Um, and also that um, you know he fell victim to a belief which practically every alcoholic has—that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline had qualified him to drink, as other men. You know that really, really speaks of lack of humility. You know it's almost like you know. Uh, For me, when I went into relapse, it wasn't like it happened overnight. It was very slow and insidious. You know, I started taking things back very slowly as far as food goes. And I wasn't addressing, you know, I was praying, but I really wasn't addressing things as they came up in my emotional life, in my family life. I was in a relationship, and you know, ooh ah, you know, I'm in love, and, and and everything's great now. And the reality is that we as addicts don't know how to have relationships, and everything is so exaggerated in our mind. Um, so I really have to keep things in. I can't place my dependency on other people. Um, I have to remember that. Um, For me today, it's a a one-day-at-a-time thing that I, I will never get perfect with anything. I am not perfect, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to be part of the human race that when I have issues come up or anxiety, even if I don't know what the issue is, when I have an issue come up, I need to go directly to a higher power, but then I also need to share it with another person. And I think for me, that's where I went wrong. I wasn't doing active 10 steps. Um, and for me, really, it comes down to sharing it with another human being also, not just if it's a small thing, I can pray and ask for help. But I really do need that humbling experience of going to somebody else, sharing it with them, and really coming to the conclusion of who is my higher power? Is it going to be food? Is it going to be a relationship? Or is it going to be you know truly something outside myself that's greater than me? And with that
5: I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Sarah. My dear Bella, you are up.
5: Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overreader. Thank you very much, Laurie, for doing this service and thank you very much everybody on the line. This case contains a powerful lesson. Yes, it's a powerful lesson. You know, before the program, I I believed that I am overweight because I don't have power, because I was punished, because I was a bad girl, maybe a stupid girl. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now that I am in the program and I live the 12 steps, yes, I got to learn a, a powerful lesson that you know, I am a compulsive overreader because this is the way that God created me. And only because now I know and I accept that I am a compulsive overreader, I learn to be connected to a higher power, to be connected to myself and not to be connected to my ego. I learn to be connected to myself, to accept myself and to know I am human. I am limited. I don't know everything all the time. And yes, I am connected to a higher power that loves me and accepts me and respects me. And it's okay. You know, I am doing mistakes because I am human and I am over and I am a compulsive overreader because because it's a present I learned to accept myself, I learned to accept everybody else, and this is a powerful lesson. Thank you for letting me share and I pass.
0: Thank you, Bella. So next we have Kathy Kaye followed by Melissa C. Hi, Kathy.
7: Hi, Larry. Good morning and thank you for your service. This is Kathy Kaye, a recovered compulsive overeater. I so identify with this paragraph, Um, and for me, um, I would say it was about up until four years ago when I recommitted myself to living the steps on a daily basis, I gave up my binge foods many, many years ago, but um, being abstinent was not enough, and I found even after I worked through the steps the first time that it felt so good to be where I was in my recovery um, that I became a bit lax with my 10, 11, and 12. Um, I did not uh, turn around difficult feelings and thoughts when they came up. I did not... Continue to spend time in prayer and meditation, and I did service when it was convenient for me to do so. Um, And those half measures eventually would lead me back to the first bite. So uh, what I'm reminded of here is abstinence is not enough. Um, That once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic and if i don't continuously work on my connection with my higher power i will eventually pick up that first bite again um, even after a very long period of abstinence so you know this case shows us that we can have very very long periods of abstinence but if we're not actively working the steps and relying on a higher power there's a good chance we'll go back to the food at some point. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kathy. Uh, So we have Melissa C. followed by Tina S. And Melissa, it's your turn.
4: Hi. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, you know, this really this really explains why uh, high life has been um, up and down and up and down, you know, diet and then um, losing all ability to control it. And, um, you know, the, the, there can be no lurking notion that um, that practice is going to make me somehow stronger. You know, it, it's like the opposite of... of how it might work in other areas of my life. If you do something long enough, you know, you you, um, you build up some strength, and, um, you know, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes, the more it's just um, who you are. And yet this um, this disease is part of my DNA. You know, it runs through my blood. And so um, I have to... I have to do today um, exactly what I did when I first committed and said, this is it, I've had it, you know. Um, that's the kind of vigilance that um, that my disease requires from me. And, um, you know, the beautiful thing is that um, being in a recovered state, I want to surrender and live that kind of life. And, um, you know, and so just because uh I visibly looking more normal, I'm not normal. And um you know, and so I have to rely on a higher power uh all the time, you know, and not me. And and I'm you know, I am glad that the the ten, eleven and twelve steps are discussed because um, you know, that's always what I had fallen short of. I I had um a lot of self-sufficiency, and so you know, I practice a food plan in isolation. And um, this is not a food plan, you know. I yes, I need a food plan. That's that's you know a given, but I need a living plan, and um, and so that's what I really hear here. That that's the thing I need. I need to. Um, connect on a daily basis with my higher power. I need to be of use to other people. I need to uh, work, you know, vigorously with uh, newcomers, with people who are looking to get abstinent. And I need to be worked with. You know, I need to turn my problems over to people as well. And um, thank you for that I've
0: Thank you, Melissa. So we have Tina S. followed by Rachel. And Tina, it's your turn.
8: Thanks, Larry. Um, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic from uh, Florida. Um, well, this case contains a powerful lesson, you know, and it did for me. You know, I believed for a long, long time that somehow, some way, someday, you know, on my own willpower that I could control and enjoy my eating and and it had been proven to me and I had proven it to myself over and over again it was demonstrated that as the progression of the disease you know early on you know the diet held strong for a longer period of time and then over time I couldn't not eat uh, for very long periods of time and and so you know it just reaffirms to me that you know when I got here you know I, I I, I read the big book and I read the o a twelve and twelve and and that's just what I did. I read it you know, thanks for the information and Until I truly believed in the doctor's opinion and the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, there was no way that I would be doing anything different you know and what I do know today that my problem center is in my mind, you know, and that my dilemma is lack of power, and then you know. <laughs> And it also tells me in the book that there'll come a time when I will not have a mental defense because I thought, oh, this is cool, you know, I'll just, my mind, I've got a good mind here. I am, you know, really intelligent, you know, I can stronghold this thing. And, but it tells me, you know, I will not have a mental defense. There'll come a time, and that does come. And that defense must come from a power greater than myself. And, and you know, and through the process of the 12 steps, I can you know, one day at a time, I continue to uh, reinforce that relationship with a partner greater than myself so that, I, that, so that for today, what I, I happens in my life, that I don't have to return to my old solution, which was the foods. And today I have a new solution that is dependent on a partner greater than myself, and with that I pass. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much, Tina. Okay, Rachel, we've been waiting for you. Rachel, you're
9: up. Hi, good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. This is, this is Rachel W. Recover Compulsive Reader calling from New York. And, um, here it's talking about that, that lurking notion and we have to earlier, you know, we we were discussing how we had to smash delusions and part of smashing a delusion is, uh, is getting rid of this lurking notion, you know, that I can control my food. And, um, you know, I, I was I was size three X. I was huge. I was living a life, uh, according to me. You know, we had the word self-discipline on above the, the paragraph above self. You know, I was living in self, and um, and I came into this program, and um, now I'm a size ten. People think, you know, how do you know? How do you know what it's like? And and that's that's the problem is because this lurking notion. Well, it's kind of easy to get a lurking notion like that when people are telling you well you don't you don't seem to understand this or um you know or I could think i've had a long period of of abstinence you know maybe i could handle this or that and um i but i know what that's like you know i'm i'm old enough now to know that that when i start having these lurking notions um where it took me last time was to the gates of hell literally it was a living death and um and you know i i just i just have to have the um i just have to really you know, live each day, knowing that I need to take the actions that get me out of this disease. Because I, I have this way of thinking, I have this way of reasoning. I have people around me that will reason with me. Um, you know, oh, maybe this is okay for you now. You know, and and it's not. You know, these things are not. And and really, what I what I focus on personally is I I, I just see that it, it is a disease of the mind. That um, no matter you know what stage I'm in, it, that's really. You know what I need to focus on, because it's my mind that took me to those those dark places of self and um but coming into this program and and doing these actions and working my way through these steps and and a daily constant enlarging of that spiritual base. Um, that 's given a whole new vibrancy to my life it 's given um, a wife to my husband, a mother to my children. It puts me in service to other people um, but it takes work you know it 's we are soldiers here we are not sitting around. The people on this line are the bravest human beings I've ever met, you know, and we walk this planet and nobody really knows our stuff, you know, what what we're doing each day. But um, I know that, you know, I, I used to say to myself like, what, you know, God, just make me a normal eater. I just want to sit by a table and have a meal like everybody else. You know what? I do that now, but it's not like everybody else, because I've prepared that meal. I've thought about that meal. I've, I've committed that meal. I, I, I have, I have a mindfulness when I eat that meal. And that whole experience makes me so much closer to my creator, it turns my eating experience into a prayer that says, you know what, God, I'm putting my substance down in service to you, and I'm giving it all over to you, and I'm stepping out of the way so you can continue to uh, flow into my life and, and bring all the all the blessings and all the opportunities to uh, to learn, no matter how, how painful they can be. <laughs> so thank you for allowing me to share.
0: Thanks, Rachel. So we'll open it up now. Who else is, is uh, wanting
10: to share? Nadia B, Leanne W, Amanda R, Leanne
0: W. Yeah, I'm jotting. You, you guys should see me. I'm jotting this stuff down like a champion here. I got Vivian, Nadia, Chuck. He's up there somewhere. Leanne, Amanda. Who did I miss? Was there somebody else? Vasa O. Vasa O. Who else? Okay, let's go with that. So we got Vivian, we got Nadia, we got Charles, we got Leanne, Amanda, and Vasa Oh, Vivian, it's your turn.
10: Thank you, Larry. Thanks for your service. This is Vivian M. I'm a grateful, composed, love reader from Vermont, and uh, this reading really resonated with me because um, I, I've been in the program many, many years, and I've yo-yoed back and forth and back and forth, and... Just to the grace of God, I've maintained a weight loss over the past 14 years or so. But it wasn't because I was working the steps. It was because I thought I had some self knowledge, and I weighed and measured my food, and that seemed to get me by for a while. And then, and then, as it says in the story, uh, what was my experience for me is um, last year I had heart surgery, went to cardio rehab. And I worked and exercised, and I just wanted to be the best exerciser in the class, and uh overstepped my boundaries, my limits, and blew out both my knees and had to have knee surgery then and When I came home after that to recuperate, um I was left here at home with my dog, my bed, my recliner, and my refrigerator and um and that's where I was, and that's where I was window shopping in that refrigerator. And uh, sometimes it wasn't just window shopping and um, started to put back a few pounds and I got really frightened and I didn't know what to do because I thought this was working for so many years. Why is this not working now? Well, it wasn't working now because life happens and I couldn't handle life on life's terms and I thought everything would be fine. I could just go out there and, and, and do what I was doing that seemed to work with my will and how a nice package wrapped up for me and everything was fine until the end of my life well, that's not what was in the plan for me. And so I, I found a vision for you. I didn't I didn't get a sponsor immediately. I just listened because I was scared. I was just frightened. Because I was frightened to do something, I was frightened not to do something. But I finally did. And, and I'm not completing not completed with the steps yet. I'm starting my step nine now. I uh, actually had a nightmare last night about it and woke up and said, I don't know if I can do this. And then called in on the line and thought, It's not that I can't do it. It's that I wasn't willing because I was frightened. And I have to put that down on my inventory as well and realize that this is where I need to be. And I can't do this by self-will alone. My control never got me any place. And this process and this program and my higher power... Um, I need to turn everything over to my higher power, something that 's not my control or anyone else 's control except a power greater than myself and I know that I can do this. I know that with that uh power and with the, the, the fellowship and everything that's afforded to me in this program, I'll be, I can do this. And um, and now I'm excited about it again. And and it's like a little yo-yo for me as the food was, but I know that this is going to work for me because I hear it in everybody's voice and I hear what they say and I listen and, and I'm really grateful to be here today. So thank you.
0: Thanks Vivian. So we have Nadia and then we have Charlie. Nadia, you're up.
11: Good morning, everyone. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for your service. Uh, this is Nadia B, grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Connecticut, and uh, yes, a lesson for me here. And when I um, came to the rooms, you know, I suspected that I was a food addict, but I was really afraid of finding out what it really meant. And uh, you know, I really was trying to learn. Um, what I can get away with. I was not trying to learn anything else. And, um, you know, for me, uh, I was sitting in the room and I, you know, heard the phrase, take what you want and leave the rest. And what it meant for me is, you know, take the diet and leave the steps out, leave God out. And when you talk to me about God, I would you know, kind of act like a five-year-old. You know, I would cover my ears and I would say, la, 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 I can't hear you. Um, and, you know, um, so how did that work for me? You know, I, I had a uh, some, some sobriety, uh, not sanity. Uh, you know, I really understand uh, what dry drunk is today because I was one. Um, in the room, and um, today, you know, I know that I have to uh, work the steps. I cannot leave that out. I cannot leave um, God out. God is in steps two through um, 12. And, uh, you know, without my higher power, I'm a walking dead woman um, today. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, Peep. Pickle never becomes a cucumber again and and that's my lesson here. Um so no looking notions today. Thank God um for this book and thank God for OA um and AA and with that I'll pass.
0: Thanks so much, Nadia. So we
12: got Charles next and then we got Leanne. Here comes the man. Charles. Barry, thank you for your service. Uh I, I, I love your Comical way of, of of getting the service completed. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. Um, uh, Charles H. <laughs> Charles H. will cover visionary just for today. Um, you know, I, I want to look at it from a different perspective. Of course, you know. Um, I, first of all, I want to thank all you women in program. Um, uh, you know, let me speak to myself and 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 and, and the people I've encountered. Um, Working with men is so challenging. Um, you ever went to a dentist's office and you know, you've got such a, a, a toothache, maybe you might have an abscess and then you're in a chair but you're instructing the dentist on how he should uh <laughs> pull that toothache from, from from your or pull that tooth from your, your mouth. Um Yeah, that's self knowledge <laughs> You know, self knowledge, I'm not gonna say it doesn't have any benefits, but it's not gonna get you over the top for the long haul. You know, I I could identify with saying, I did this and I did that. Yeah, God will move the mountain if I if I bring the shovel. Um, I gotta bring the shovel, right? But I don't gotta keep telling you, you know, I did this and I did that. Okay, you I I did all of that without the help of anybody else. I didn't have no help. I did all of this and I did all of that. And it's good, you know, it's refreshing to sit back and hear all the beautiful shit, you know. Um, but it's also refreshing to remember what they said in the doctor's opinion. In order for to re- recreate my life, my ideal must be grounded in a power greater than myself. So if, if if it's grounded in a power greater than myself, I know it's less about me and it's more about that power, right? Because I just brought the shovel. And, and and bringing the shovel is for me is identifying every ingredient that I need to put down in order for a higher power access to be seen because you know I went to a certain study yesterday and I found out about hope hope is something I can't see it it it, 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 it it's it's it uh cousin hope right but if i if I put down them things first, I can see hope. I can have faith as a mustard seed, and and, and, and and the self-knowledge along with the action will bring forth recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Hey, thanks, Charles. Okay,
0: so we got uh, Leanne and then followed by Amanda.
10: Leanne, it's your turn. Thank you. Can you hear me, Larry? I can. Okay, great. My name is Leanne W. from Massachusetts. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm thrilled to be here. Um, if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to alcohol. This spoke out to me, um, especially if I reflect back on Bill's story to page 5, which really tells my story. And uh, in Bill's story it says liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. And so for me the lurking notion is that uh, food was no longer a luxury. It was something. It was not something that I could overindulge in at a cookout or on a holiday or say have birthday cake on my birthday just because it's a luxury to do so. Uh, that um, that had to stop. I had to have no lurking notion that I could do that. Um, if I continue to live in that. Stage. Then like Bill's story, you know, life continued to go on and all havoc broke out, uh, broke out. We learned that in his story where he continued to try to control the situation. And while there were periods of sobriety, things gradually get worse, got worse until he eventually went on to a prodigious vendor. And that, for me, was the progression of my story. I had to have no lurking notion that, I could one day control this. I had to identify what my foods were and what my food behaviors were, and I need to become willing to believe that there was a power that could help me overcome this and stop that behavior. And it wasn't until I did that and became willing to accept this program and a power greater than myself that I could um, move on to become recovered. And for me, I've been through the steps, quote, unquote, many times, but that always was, uh, steps one through nine. I never really worked ten, eleven, and twelve. And for me, working ten, eleven, and twelve is primary for me in my recovery. If I don't wake up every morning, and I don't ask for help throughout the day, and if I don't do service, and I don't do these things, then I'm going to pick up, and I'm going to I'm going to fall back into that behavior. But it all be beca- it all stops there with me. And so, you know, with recognizing and having no reservation of any kind or any lurking notion that I'm going to be immune. I'm never going to be immune. I'm a compulsive overeater and this is just the way I am and thank you God I have a program and with that I'll pass.
0: Thanks so much Leanne. Okay Amanda, you're up and followed by Vasa.
13: Hi, this is Amanda R, and I'm from Maine. I'm not uh, 100% sure how to introduce myself where I'm I'm in my first trip through the 12 steps, so I I guess I'm recovering, but not quite there yet. I don't know. (laughs) Somebody can call me later and and, uh, enlighten me on that. But anyway, this um, particular paragraph, there were uh, a couple things that happened recently I just want to touch on briefly in my life. Where um, I, uh, when I became abstinent, right in the beginning of this January, uh, I went through my cupboards, uh, through my entire house and I booted out everything that I was no longer going to eat. And I live alone, so I, I have that luxury to be able to do that and it was actually it was very strange the number of places I found sugar hiding in my house. So that's another story. But um I most of the stuff I gave away or just threw away but um, there was this pint of maple syrup that my mother had um, given to me. My parents have a farm, and they make their own maple syrup. And um, I said, "Oh my goodness! You know, it isn't even opened. I, I, I can't, um, I can't throw that away." And I'm not sure who would want it, so I gave it back to my mother. And um, you know, she was leaving my apartment at one point, and I said, "Hey, mom. You know, um, I'm not going to uh, use this here. Um, why don't you uh, take this back?" And um, and she turned around and looked at me and said, never, ever. It's like exactly that voice. And, um, and I said, I, I don't remember what I said, but I was thinking to myself, no, never, ever. You know, this is, this is it. This is, I'm done with this. And, um, I'm not sure I was quite brave enough to say that to her cause I'm, I didn't know if she would um, believe me, but the proof will be, will be down the road. Um, and the other the other food-related thing, you know, related to, um, you know, there's going to be no illusion in my head that, that I can never go back to this, is that I was going through a loose-leaf binder of uh, recipes that I had collected from my family. And, you know, a lot of them are, like, handed down and handwritten and all that good stuff. And, um, you know, there I, I noticed, my goodness, there are a lot of things in here that I really just can't eat anymore. And, I'm never going to be able to eat them. A lot of dessert things and um, I have a lot of those in my family. And um, and I said to myself, well, what am I going to do with these recipes? Because if I'm never cooking them anymore, you know, what should I do? And I said, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'll make them for a family gathering sometime in the future. And, you know, I won't eat them, but I'll need a recipe. And, and that just didn't sit right with me. So a couple of days ago I decided, you know what? if anyone in a family gathering wants to eat this food that I'm not going to eat, they're pretty well capable of cooking it themselves. So these recipes, um, also have to get removed from my, my life, my cookbook, my domain to a point where I really can't get them back. Like don't just put them in a folder and save them somewhere. So those are my thoughts on, um, on this this section, and with that, I pass.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. Appreciate that. Okay, we got Vasa, and then Hoodie's gonna gonna kick off the next uh, paragraph for us. So, Va- Vasa, you're up.
14: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Larry, for your service, and I'm grateful to recover compulsive overeating from Florida. And I thank God for few men in our programs because I used to think men were just tough, and it's nice to know this—they have some weaknesses and strength like us, like, like, like us women. I grew up with tough men. So anyways, um, I, I, my defense comes from power greater than myself, which I call God, um, because my, I had lost my willpower. I didn't, my willpower didn't work anymore after many, many years, and it was getting progressive for me. It was like, like the last hope coming to Overeaters Anonymous. And I thank God every day for bringing me to Over It Is Anonymous. And I need to be vigilant every day on a daily basis. I had the gift of desperation, and I was ready to surrender. I didn't think it was a gift in those days. I remember saying, oh, my God, this is not a gift. This is a torture to give up my uh, certain foods, you know, the foods that I lasted over, that I loved and treasured in my life. And I remember hearing only one day at a time. We only did. I could have never done it. For many, many years I've been abstinent. It's, again, it's by the grace of God. I don't take any credit. I, I give credit to the, my program people, the 12 steps, my higher power, which I call God. And, I, yes, I did come for the physical. I was just going to get abstinent. I was going to lose the weight, and I was going to leave. That was my was my intention But I kept on hearing, you know, hold on your your abstinence, Vasa, and work the 12 steps. If you don't, you're going to go back into the food. And it's by the grace of God I've been here decades and decades, and I'm so grateful to be here with all of you. And I survived that. I, I I haven't died because I have given up those certain foods. I've given a life that I never imagined I would have. Thank you, and I passed.
0: Vasa. No tough men on this line, but anyway, no cross talk. Okay, Hoodie's going to take us on page 33. She's going to be reading the second paragraph, starting with, Young People May Be Encouraged. So, Hoodie?
15: Good morning to you, Larry. This is Hoodie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Israel. Young people may be encouraged by this man's experience to think that they can stop, as he did, on their own willpower. We doubt if many of them can do it. Because none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find that he can win out. Several of our crowd, men of 30 or less, had been drinking only a few years, but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking 20 years. And again, um, you know, these young people, you know, I think of young people as young, and you know, we... We like to experience and think. Oh well, no, this, this is not. This is not us. This is just, you know, we're able to. Um, you no, know, I have that willpower. I will get through. I'm gonna show you that my, with all my willpower and all my self knowledge. You tell me about this man. That you know, that he stayed sober for 25 years. I could do it. I could do it too. You know, I'm not gonna pick up. You tell me something. I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna try it. I want to try this out and really prove you wrong. And um, so yes, I could say to myself, "Yeah, I." So now I know. I know better. I'm gonna do better. And I'm thinking about on page 39 in the um, in the big book a little further on. But the actual and potential alcoholic, with hardly an exception, will ab- be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self knowledge. This is a point we wish to emphasize and reemphasize, to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it has been revealed to us out of our bitter experience. And to me, I had to be convinced and, convince and say I am a compulsive overeater. I have the allergy of the body. I have that obsession of the mind, that, that strange mental twist. That obsession comes, it overcomes all, all other ideas to the contrary and will get me to pick up every time I am without defense. And, um, and I, in order to be healed and recover, I, ha, I must and I get to work this, the 12 steps and um, have that um, obsession cast away so that I can live peaceful and um, happily today. And with that, I passed.
0: Thanks, Hoodie. I'm looking for three brave souls. Who's, who, wants to, who wants to
12: join us here? Okay, three frightened people?
16: Hi, Larry. It's Naomi B. I'm going to jump in. And, okay,
12: Leah
0: and. M. Who so is the third one? Marie V. Okay. Naomi, you're up.
16: Thank you, Larry. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. You know, as I'm sitting here reading the book and studying and listening to all the wonderful voices, I'm thinking to myself how blessed we are to be all together saving lives. Because you see... And I consider myself young. Okay, I'm not, but I am. <laughs> this peculiar mental twist. People people could see what the food did to me. Oh, my gosh, at 280 pounds, that's hard to hide, and I'm only five foot tall. They could never see what the food did for me. And that was like, that was euphoria, Absolutely. But I didn't know I didn't know what I didn't know and I hear this on the lines and it's so true. I I mean, I would look at other people in my family and it's like, you know, um why why is it that I can't stop? And when I stopped I couldn't stay stopped. I had to continue. And it's not that way today. And it's amazing. It's so amazing that regardless of age, regardless of financial status, regardless of educational status, I have a daily reprieve, only contingent because I am close to God. I am close to God. I have a network of people around me. And age age has no bearing. I mean, I once heard a woman in our program, That she said she was 80 years old and her life was just beginning. Well, not that old, but that gives me such hope. That gives me such hope. This program truly, truly works. Only working the steps, staying close to God. Of course, putting the food down, that's a given. And having a network, having a network of people around us that can understand. Because a normal eater can't understand. They, They just don't get it. They may try, but they don't get it. And never did I've ever belonged to any fellowship or any organization where I could pick up the phone and call a perfect stranger and we're instant friends because we have this connection be- because of this crazy, peculiar mental twist that we have. Thank you so much for allowing me to share, and I pass.
0: Thanks so much,
17: Naomi. Leah, you're up. Thanks so much, Larry. Uh, We doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop, and hardly one of them, because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired, will find he can win out. Well, I mean, I, I certainly relate to this paragraph, and I certainly couldn't win out myself. You know, I didn't realize when I crawled into Overeaters Anonymous at the age of 19 uh, that that insidious nature of my disease, uh, you know, had already uh, pickled me. You know, once a cucumber becomes a pickle, there's no becoming a cucumber again. You can't reverse the brining process. I didn't realize that I was in its grip before its grip was revealed to me. I, I just didn't realize that. I kept focusing in on uh, the thought that, Food and weight were the real problem when uh, it took five more years of this progression of the disease uh, for me to be beaten to a pulp, and then someone to crack open this text and give me an education about the nature of my illness that I have a twofold illness, that I have a physical allergy, which manifests itself in a phenomenon of craving, that I'm biologically mandated, uh, and you know certain substances trigger this phenomenon of craving in me uh, but that the greater aspect of the disease is this peculiar mental twist that I have I did not understand that uh, the chains of compulsive overeating were too soft to be felt until they were too hard to be broken, I was already pickled, (laughs) there was no reversing it, uh, despite my wish, I could not wrestle free from this obsession of the mind, you know When I stop compulsive overeating, and I've stopped thousands of times, that's called abstinence, I become restless, irritable, and discontent. I become impatient. I become miserable without my binge foods because I'm dealing with the most dangerous part of my illness at that point. The most dangerous part of my illness is when I'm not compulsively overeating. It's when I'm not compulsively overeating because I'm thinking about compulsively overeating. Uh, So the real problem centers in my mind telling me it's okay to take that first bite rather than in my body that ensures that I can't. Uh, this paragraph certainly reminds me of the po- top of page 24 where it says, at a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected and that was true for me identify in uh you know that i was already a real compulsive overeater by the time (laughs) i noticed that i had a problem on my hands and with that i pass thanks
0: (laughs) thanks leah hey marie i'm i'm time challenged here i'm so sorry if you could stick around judith our our newcomer greeter she's going to put you first up if you're able to so my apologies Marie. Okay, because we're going to have to close up shop here. Um, Thank you to everyone who shared. And, and of course, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. So now we're going to close from a reading from the big book. Renata's been – she's got this memorized. She doesn't even need to read from the book. Renata, can you read from page 164 followed by the serenity prayer?
18: Uh, Sure. Thank you, Larry, again for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G. Recovered compulsive reader, in New York. Our book's meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got.